comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe is not here because we are doing a special bonus episode yet again another holiday bonus episode and this time we're going to talk about tv of all things which is a bit odd because out now is regularly a film podcast as abe and i discussing new movies but we're gonna forgo most of that and i'm gonna talk about tv with my guest aspiring tv writer and currently writer for the gazette newspaper in long beach as well as a man who has recently planted his own personal tree of life jonathan van dyke thanks for having me um uh, aspiring tv writer probably could have gone second but i like to throw it out there in case you know any big wigs are listening or something like that <laughs> but more importantly uh my aspirations are probably uh, the reason that led us to even think about this podcast, which uh, we just kind of looked at each other the other day and said, we watch a lot of TV. And if there's anything better than watching a lot of TV, it's talking about all the TV you watch the entire year. Exactly. Yeah, you brought this idea to me and I thought it sounded intriguing enough to forego everything that makes Out Now a film podcast and decide to just go straight into a TV podcast. But it's a bonus episode, so it's almost like it doesn't count. Exactly. exactly. I, and I'll be working under that constraint the entire time. My Great. <laughs> Great. And uh, yeah, so just a few announcements, I guess. As I said, this is a TV podcast and we'll eventually get back to our regular type of podcast. We've been doing a lot of bonus shows lately just because the holiday season is so hectic. So we can only plan so much time between myself, Abe, and the various guests that we have on. But, you know, it's cool to have new people like Jonathan on. So that's exciting. And um, we still have our Best of the year. I don't even know when this episode is going to drop. Maybe this, this episode may drop the last of all the bonus episodes, but who knows? Let's just move straight into things. Basically, John and I are going to talk about kind of we have like a, a set of topics and uh, we have a lot of TV shows that we watch. And we're going to kind of file those shows into the topics that we have and just kind of a preview of what we have. We have new shows, shows that are getting better, shows that have that are at their best, hidden gems shows that are kind of wailing, waning, uh, shows that got canceled, and kind of like our best shows, the ones that we just love. So, with all that said, Jonathan, I'm going to start, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to start with new shows, and or shows that are new to you. Okay, I mean, uh, it's interesting at the end of the year, I, it you really have to look back now, because uh, the way that shows are kind of coming out now, it's almost as if we have about three different seasons about... There's some shows in January, there seems to be a few summer shows even worth watching, and then, of course, fall is when everything comes into, uh, into sight. And so, reaching way back, it's kind of hard to even think, because it's just it's so long ago, but I would start with Game of Thrones being kind of the new show of the year that kind of was must-see TV. If I, if I 
hung out with my friends pretty much by episode three we got everybody caught up because it was just like no you have to be a part of this and and it's really peculiar because it's kind of uh, almost uh, taking something Lord of the Rings size and putting it on a 13 episode uh, HBO show and you're not sure if they're going to pull it off or not I didn't even really want to watch it but I I just kind of watched the first episode and it, it really is one of those where it just kind of you're in it now. You you just have to you you. I immediately watched like the next four back to back to back, and unfortunately caught up and had to wait each week after. That. <laughs> yeah, I uh, very much was a fan of Game of Thrones when it was coming on, and I remember what was the show it was on. What was the show it was on with? What show was also on on that same day? I mean, it could have been Boardwalk even back then. I. I remember it being was, angry. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna watch. I mean, we might get into Boardwalk eventually, but I, I wasn't into Boardwalk, and I was kind of like, I just thought I don't have time for Boardwalk. But, but I, I don't know if it was a bored weekend I had or what. But I was like, all right, I'll give it a try, and I just, I, I just gave in. And and I think uh, a big reason is is there haven't really been fantasy shows that have worked. Oh, but I know, I know what show I'm thinking of. It's the it was the killing. The killing was the show. Oh. <laughs> the killing was the show that came on at the same time as Game of Thrones. And like at first I was like, I really dug the killing pilot and I was like, oh the Game of Thrones pilot's pretty good too. As the weeks went on, it's like wow the killing's gone downhill, but Game of Thrones has become amazing. For me, I'll, I'll just say right now it it is based on, on a set of books. Uh, I had not read them beforehand and I am planning on just watching the show as the show. I don't think I'm going to be one of those people. I know a lot of my friends are rushing to kind of either at least read the first season, aka the first book, or even get ahead of time. I, I won't be. And I think uh, because it, the book and in itself, then the show takes a lot of gambles that uh, a lot of shows haven't in the past, where uh, whether that be fluid character situations coming in and out of the story. More than any show, like even like Lost or, or things in the past, this is life. People drop in and out of it, and you have to deal with that. I know what you're saying, and with the uh, with the books, I'm aware that the series is very faithful. That's something that's impressed me, but also isn't that surprising given that it's HBO, so they have kind of an unlimited range. They don't have to you know censor things or whatnot, but they also have ten episodes to tell an entire story, opposed to a two hour film or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it. It certainly seems like it's paying off everybody that's both a fan of the book series, uh, people that are new completely to the series, and people that are you know going to pick up the books because of how good the show is. Like it seems like a win-win-win all the way around, and it helps that you know to stay on the topic of the TV show. It's a, just a, a fantastic show to watch. It's very entertaining. It has this, it obviously has a great budget because you have just these these worlds that are created that you know this, this side of middle earth like you just haven't seen something like this done so well on a you know on a featured tv program before well, and so it kind of and it kind of announces itself with like a great opening sequence just getting I, i'm always like get pumped up when you hear the opening music and it shows you like a giant map of everywhere you're gonna go yeah the way it just starts out every week with the the really fantastic memorable theme music that has like a map of the land and like the What's all, what I always like is how the map changes, too. It kind of focuses on where the episode is going to take place, something that I kind of picked up as I right. was watching it. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, and, and essentially for, for viewers, uh, just a quick what this is about is uh, essentially there's a king and then there's a bunch of, uh, you know, I guess mini fiefdom kingdoms, whatever you want to say, 
but only one of those areas kind of ascends the throne at any one time. Close to the beginning, that throne is kind of up for grabs. And so it, it just it revolves around of all these different families that are somewhat intertwined and, and pretty amicable at the beginning. But as the need for that power shifts, war, backstabbing, all sorts of stuff happening. And you have great performances. We'd be remiss if we didn't say uh, Peter Dinklage. Oh, yeah. He's, he's earned every single accolade that, uh, that he's been given for this role. He's, you know, the creme de la creme of acting in this, in this, uh, in this series. And, and I look forward and hope that he'll, he'll make it through many more seasons of it. Yeah, for sure. He's he's easily most people's favorite character, <laughs> just because he's has he has great, basically the best lines to say, and he has he has an interesting storyline. As do as everyone has like a great storyline. Sean Bean, kind of like the the marquee character who's on all the posters. He's he's a really he's heroically stubborn. I guess would be the best way to put it. God, you have the um, other plot with uh, what's her name, Amelia Amelia Clark, who's like the she plays kind of a like a exiled past relation to one of the kings and she has to marry like drago the like the, like a barbarian king basically <laughs> and yeah, right i mean there's this like, whole awesome like barbarian thing going off in the background that isn't they're not even connected to the main land yet and yet if that was a show by itself it would almost be just as compelling as connected to everything and so it's definitely it's definitely a show where you don't have to like even the overall that you could pick and choose because there's almost like four to five different awesome plots always happening at once. And, and I would say that at any one time, you, you'll be rooting for a completely different set of characters than maybe you would have just an episode ago. For sure. I guess I'm kind of pushing the pace, but uh, I thought that, that kind of uh, as far as the new class goes, it almost running way, way, way far ahead now into something that just ended. Uh, when it comes to new class and ratings and buzz, there's very few that stood in the way of of, of one American horse. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you were if you were ready for that or not. That but, was a big uh, jump ahead for all these other shows, but I'm ready to get to American Horror Story. <laughs> American Horror Story. What I find interesting about that show, what I found interesting about the initial, the initial like premise of it, which is something I I wasn't quite sure of because every time I saw previews of it like on FX, because that's how they roll, they like show their previews like six months in advance, so you're just like, what is this show gonna be? And from the sound of it, it just sounded like it'd be maybe like a weekly horror kind of like a, you know, Twilight Zone Outer Limits kind of thing where it'd have like a weekly horror vignette or something like that. And it wasn't that. It actually was a serialized show. And but what I understood was that one of the early ideas was that the show was going to have a different kind of cast every year. And I thought, OK, that'd be cool. But then as the show went along, I was like, no, it looks like it's going to be popular enough where they're going to want to keep around Dylan McDermott the whole time, even though he's really bland. But <laughs> as it got to its end, I and well, basically the day after it got to its end, and everyone was like, "What's going to happen next season?" Based on things that occur, we found out. Yeah, it is going to have a new, a new uh, house and a new family every season is the basic idea, and so that got me very excited. So I was happy in that regard, and just how this show is going to work each season. Now, with all that said, American Horror Story, this first season, it was one of my favorite comedies of the year. That's for sure. I was, <laughs> I, it's such trashy fun to watch this show where I could just sit, sit, sit down and be like, oh, man, what like what what series of horror films is it going to just rip from this week and have a lot of fun with and provide Dylan McDermott chances to like get really angry but make really stupid decisions and have Jessica Lange overacting nonstop and chew on scenery. Meanwhile, you have... 
ghosts lurking in the background. Like the one of the running jokes was who's going to die and get stuck in the house this week because every week on the show a character seems to die, which means that they become a ghost enslaved within the realm of the house that they're all living in. Overall, like I can't say I didn't enjoy the show. It's like one of the most watchable shows on TV and entertaining even though it's not a great show in any means. Right. I mean, it's definitely a show where you just kind of like you're just like, oh, American Horror Story sometimes. <laughs> you're just like, oh, honey. <laughs> you know, when it initially came out, some people were like, gosh, uh, you know, showrunner Ryan Murphy uh, really went off the, ten, tends to start manic and then even go more off the rails. And American Horror Story is definitely one that uh, I thought was better served by just immediately kind of saying, hey, uh, this is going to be out of control and ridiculous and let's just do it um we're not even going to you know we're not going to nip tuck try to like have this be normal at first and then get completely messed up no yeah, this is they, this they, is going to be where we're going they jumped straight from like they, they didn't yeah they got rid of the whole let's do nip tuck and those just they went straight to let's be season four of nip tuck or whatever whenever it just got like crazy soap opera soap opera e mixed with serial killers mixed with whatever other crazy shenanigans were going on on Nip Tuck. And it is odd that you said, you know, it's the most fun you're watching because it, it really is just the whole time you're just kind of like, you, you, I, I, was I mean, there are some twists that like I was dumb enough not to see. And so that was kind of cool. There were a lot of like rules. I should have been like, that isn't right. You guys <laughs> are really being ridiculous with like, that's just a rule now or we just kind of changed it up. And, and it didn't matter. It was just, it was throw everything against the wall, whatever six sticks, we're going to just do it, balls to the wall kind of deal that that I, I kind of respected American Horror Story for that and its creators. As the show went out, because it's not a completely solid show, like it's, it's watchable as it is, but like we said, it's not a great show, but it be, almost became more interesting just to like want to know the intricate, intricate details of what these ghosts go through in their daily activities. Like, where do they do? Where do they go? That, what what happens with the rest of them? Like, I, I was became more curious with that opposed to watching got, McDermott get really angry and start furiously masturbating or something. Uh, and that, <laughs> I think we'll we'll sidestep that issue altogether. <laughs> but uh, the the guest list is great too. Like Zachary Quinto plays. Uh, a ghost. Uh, it's funny that Zachary Quinto like came came out as gay like the week before he was on American Horror Story, and then like he's playing like the most flamboyant gay person on that show. It was fun to watch, and it was new. It was there's no serial horror TV <laughs> shows, so I was of course immediately on board to give it a shot, and it was done in a manner that I I was entertained the entire time. Yeah, it's like as much as I because we'll get to The Walking Dead at some point during this, and as much as I. I do like that show quite a bit. I, I like I like it a lot, but um, that sh is that show is so relentlessly bleak that it's nice to see a different horror series where it's like it just doesn't care. It just it just throws everything at the wall and just decides to like have whatever crazy horror shtick it wants to. Like I remember like the second episode's like all like psych it's like psycho based. Like it takes strings from the psycho theme and just incorporates that in there. Like the first episode takes what it takes like the. Actually, the first and the last, like one of those episodes, it takes the um, kind of the whistly tune from Kill Bill and inserts that in in its own way. Yeah. It just has like all these, there's a lot of shining stuff in one episode. There's like just all these different horror elements brought into one TV show. And it's like, and, it's, and no matter what horrible thing happens, you're never allowed, you never have time to dwell on, wow, like <laughs> the, the rubber suit man did that? No, <laughs> like, there's no time to be like, no, we're just going to move so quickly, but but actually, 
I thought, uh, really well paced for a show until the final episode, which I thought threw its pacing completely out the window. But, uh, but yeah, uh, we, I, think I we... thought really well paced as a show where it wasn't rushed and it was actually most of the payoffs were built like long enough and, and strung out long enough that, that there was a twist were satisfying and, and at least for me, occasionally unexpected. Yeah, I agree. I think we had the same thoughts about kind of how the, how the season ended, where we thought the, the episode before the last one is where the season really peaked. And yeah. um, it very much kind of, it was more a long denouement that was a little less, it was, a lot, it was very anticlimactic opposed to how it would have been, I guess it would have been a nice ending to see the season end there, but I guess... Yeah, I no, it almost seems like they didn't know what they wanted to do at the end of the show, and then they decided at the last second. <laughs> yeah, it's like they made those first 12 ep- or whatever, 11 episodes, and they're like, oh, we're getting renewed? I guess we got to make a 12th episode now. Like, it's something like that. <laughs> okay, we can talk a bit about... Let's, let's talk a bit about Terra Nova, just because that was a huge thing that was supposed to occur, and... It, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was a huge... It was, a, in terms of, like, a very big-budgeted show on Fox... I can say right now that I don't. I don't currently watch Terra Nova. I stopped watching after the first three, four episodes. I, I think I gave it four. I think I gave it four. <laughs> but uh, Terra Nova was the sci-fi show where basically the world in like the twenty-second century was like basically going going down, and I guess scientists discovered a rift, as you do in space-time, that allowed people to travel back to the time of dinosaurs to the Cretaceous period. And so the show basically follows a family that decided to go through with this. They um, they go back in time and they set up camp in the with everyone else in this, I guess, their colony that they have in what they're calling Terra Nova. Yeah, in the world there are dinosaurs and drama and action ensues, I guess. And you have like Stephen Lang playing his exact same character from Avatar as the leader of, of the colony. <laughs> Jason O'Mara, who was like, he was on the show Life life on mars and he's kind of the the patriarch of the main family who had like a weird setup too because he like he went to he went to prison because he wasn't supposed to have like you you, like your limited children i guess we're we're in we're in your typical apocalyptic future where everybody's using breathing masks because obviously we're doomed (laughs) when it comes to air quality in the future and uh yeah everybody's china style where you're limited to the amount of kids you had and of course, this family just had to break those rules. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why, but of course, they're a better family for it. So uh, yeah, like the dad had to escape prison in order to get it. All this doesn't matter because that's possibly one of the most hilarious prison break. How did he actually break out of prison? <laughs> it is kind of like gave him a tool real quick and like a birthday cake or something i mean it wasn't quite a birthday cake but it was close it might as well have been a file inside of yeah fast forward i just made it in time to jump into this rift let's go fight dinosaurs this doesn't even matter because it's all resolved by the end of the episode and no one ever talks about his prison record again (laughs) they're just like oh yeah you can live here whatever i think everybody was for the most part on board with the concept but there was nothing outside of the sci-fi elements of this show that made me want to watch it Exactly. Yeah, it has terrible characters. <laughs> they're not terrible, but they're really weak. They're really poorly written. Char- okay, the sun is pretty terrible, but the everyone else is pretty poorly written. The storylines are pretty weak. From I mean, I don't. I, I haven't heard. Even though I haven't watched the episode, the the show past episode four, I haven't you know haven't exactly heard people saying it's getting better. So and let alone pro- if it's getting you know coming back for a second season. So I was giving a lot of shows a chance, and I was I guess I was sort of surprised that this one's already done. So I don't know if they're intentionally kind of doing ten 
to th- more of the cable 10 to 13 episode type arcs with it, or they're going to just be done with it. Um, I know it kind of struggled ratings wise from what they were hoping. Um, and especially with house kind of taking a bow this season two, maybe they'll just reboot reboot entirely on Monday. But, uh, I, I had to like intervene with myself and say, no, you're not going to watch this. Yes. It's kind of intriguing that there's this colony of other people. Yes. It's kind of neat that there could be alien stuff. And it's just like, no, you, you have no desire. You don't root for these people at all. They're all weird and boring and they're not even weird. They're just they're, if they're weird, it'd probably be more interesting. And with that, let's move on to another show because we're not even that familiar with it. Let's see what else we have. We I kind of talked about the killing. Did you watch any all of the killing or with AMC? I really only got into the big big ones. All I know is the gist is that we wanted to figure out a killer, and and they toyed with the audience the entire season and pissed everybody off. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Another way to put it is there was just a lot of inept cop work going on that really made <laughs> that show drag on longer than. It needed to but it's still apparently popular enough that it got a second season which is especially helpful since you don't really there are things that go unresolved by the end of the first season which you probably would not have expected dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's um yeah uh as i said i was watching game of thrones and the killing on the same night and i was initially taken by the killing but then i settled on game of thrones as the the true winner because the killing just kind of made me sigh a lot because i wasn't really excited about watching it every week after week but i wanted to just at least finish the season so we'll see if i watch it you know when it comes back on next uh i guess whenever next mm-hmm, march mm-hmm. or whenever it starts again here's another show that kind of falls in the sci-fi range uh falling skies which was on tnt over the summer the alien invasion show i, I won't lie i've heard i have not watched it but i've heard kind of whispers that it might not be bad <laughs> it isn't actually i watched all of it and i was actually just really entertained by it the whole way through it's the i guess it's the other show that was produced by spielberg that came out this year because he produced uh, terra nova as well he had his name a lot on a lot of things this year between movies and tv shows spielberg was all over the place and with his own movies too man that band was that guy was busy this year falling skies yeah that was a solid show with noah wiley as kind of the, the lead character and it takes place basically after the aliens have invaded and so it's just about bands of humans trying to survive and like basically there's a lot of spielberg you know there's a lot of sentiment involved in a lot of the episodes and just trying to keep a family together amidst all this happening and stuff like that but it's also really kind of clever it has a lot of fun with the alien design and what their purpose is it kind of explores some of that towards the end of the season where you're trying to figure out well what do these aliens actually want and the aliens kind of they tend to kidnap kids and they kind of they can attach it's, it's always the kids that get kidnapped it's the kids that get kidnapped and they kind of attach harnesses to them which makes them it makes them fall over and it's like you don't really know what you don't know why they want them you don't know what they're trying to do and there's a, there's a lot of interesting elements in that regard and there's just some cool action stuff in it like it was on tnt so it had i, I guess i'd imagine it had kind of a, a wider kind of array of toys to play with in terms of what we can do with our budget and you know having an hour-long weekly dramatic series it's only going to last for like the summer until next year when it has it's basically like a summer alien show i was really impressed by it every it was one of those shows where i wanted to watch it every week opposed to like i'll just let a couple of them build on my dvr and watch them all i was like no i want to i want to see where this goes i want to keep i want to keep going sticking with this one so i was pretty pretty happy with falling skies this year and i'm looking forward to like the next a gained season. A following and even kind of gained a little buzz at the end of the year people i think when people were taking stock they were kind of like hey everybody like it might be worth your time to check that out so I'm, I'm, i i i won't put it past myself if, if netflix brings it to me someday here or something like that speaking of dinosaurs sci-fi and aliens let's get to new girl the other one of the other new shows that came on <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, one of your few rare comedies that worked from the beginning when, when it came to at least getting an audience. So uh, I don't know if that that gives you the power of, of Zoe Deschanel or, or what, but uh, pretty much everybody actually loves Zoe, I think. Um, and so uh, in this case, uh, she's Jess, that girl um, who uh, breaks up with her boyfriend in the first episode of the season. I like the idea that, like, when you said it's just like that, like Abe, which he won't do, but he'd edit in like a clip of her saying it's just, just like. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime we mention the word "just," like that sound clip plays. That's not gonna happen. But I just like <laughs> to think out loud about these things. Well, no problem. The bells and whistles. You gotta save that for the movie side. This is television, all right. <laughs> uh, but but anyhow, so Jess moves in essentially with three guys. Uh, this is where I, I do lament for one moment that the pilot had uh, Damon Waynes Jr. as coach, and I loved coach, and unfortunately... In what, what episode? You were like just in love with, with the coach character. <laughs> I, I think coach is great! But anyhow, anyhow, he... Uh, thankfully, his uh, awesome show, Happy Endings, which we'll talk about later, uh, got picked up out of nowhere, and so... He went they, back to that show. They had to replace him. And, so uh, you have... You have Zoe Deschanel, and then you have Jake Johnson, Max Greenfield, and Lamorne Morris, who replaced Damon Wayans Jr. They're the three roommates that live with Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, and, and, they ha- and they're needing a roommate. And uh, for uh, her adork... This is also the show, I must warn people, that spawned the term adorkable. So if you hate that word, you might not like this show. Yeah, essentially, it's a goofy... Indie Zoe Deschanel trying to live with three guys who are uh, on different parts of the normal person scale. <laughs> and uh, they essentially live in the coolest apartment on the planet. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, half the, half the show, I just sit there with my friends and I'm like, gosh, I wish we, we lived in that place. You know, your, your typical like industrial looking building where everything's like brick walls and they have like an actual like unisex public bathroom as their bathroom or something and it's mainly about uh the three guys kind of dealing with with jess's quirks each week in in new and and fascinating ways and and uh i must say uh as much as there are haters out there uh i enjoyed it and it was must-see tv for me on tuesday yeah i kind of agree like it's it seems like it has so many things that you could easily hate about the show but for some reason it's just very likable has a has a very simple premise, but it has a likable cast, including well everybody really. It's done some solid work in in kind of bringing out the personalities in each of these guys without making them intolerable or too kind of one dimensional. I think there's a I think there's a there's a lot of good things about it that make me. Right. I mean, uh, and I, and I think it's it speaks to it the fact that Schmidt uh, as a char- character Schmidt, one of the three uh, guy roommates, he's kind of emerged as a as kind of almost uh, as good of a character as Jess already and, and actually her, her friend Cece who I'm in love with uh, <laughs> uh, she, they've been integrating her more into the show too uh, and so I think uh, so far uh, it's ne- not, never going to be like this is the greatest show ever but I, I think it, it's, it's really just the epitome of a solid show that I laugh at multiple times and, and like to watch it yeah, for sure. And um, to go on the other end of that spectrum of other new shows that came out, how about Whitney? How about Whitney? 
Can we say, can we also, can we first off say that I think Whitney Cummings as a person is funny as a stand-up comedian? Yeah, Whitney Cummings, a popular stand-up comedian. She has two shows that came out this past fall, Whitney and Two Broke Girls, and I, Whitney is, was terrible. <laughs> and, well, I don't know. I, would, I will say that, I mean, the funniest part about her show was the opening credits said, yeah, it's got the laugh track or taped in front of a live show, deal with it. And that was the, the strongest laugh I got out of the early, like, two episodes I watched. To many of us, we, we live in a time where we've kind of evolved beyond the laugh track. Even though yeah. CBS is, like, the most watched network and has all the shows, somehow they make laugh tracks still work. Right, and I will say that I love How I Met Your Mother. And How I Met Your Mother is generally funny enough where I, I think I laugh over the laugh track, so I barely ever notice it. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I will allow, although they're not my favorite shows in the world, I will allow people to defend uh, early seasons of Two and a Half Men and, and Big Bang Theory. Those, like, are solid shows, and I respect the idea, especially with Big Bang Theory. I know if you will, like, work on that show. Um, I mean, they literally do do it in a live studio audience. So it, it is kind of the idea of... Uh, of whether this play-like atmosphere works anymore when I'm sitting at my house watching it detached from that. And I would say that uh, besides just the awkwardness of Laugh Track and the Whitney shows, uh, it's just, it seems really, like they really just run out, at least at the very beginning. I cannot speak for where the show might have gone. But at the very beginning, it, it was just, oh, what battle of the sexes how different are we and let's keep the romance good and i i just i it was almost flabbergasting to me how a show like that was allowed like greenlit and how uh, people would want to make that because i just whether you like it or not it's it's been done to death anyway i have so little to contribute about whitney and two broke girls i just, I just don't care honestly what what was really annoying I, what was kind of weird about Whitney was that it came on not you know it came on after Community Parks Rec and The Office which are all very kind of distinct shows and they but they all have a you know they none of them have laugh tracks right and when Whitney came on it's just so jarring that this was the show that comes on like after all those shows and you have this laugh track show all of a sudden especially when you have um, the other show with Will Arnett and Christina Applegate up all night which and seems to follow kind of exactly with what you know those shows had to offer but now they've switched them so it's like someone like figured something out where they're like, you know what, one of these shows fits better in this spot than the other. <laughs> have you have you watched Up All Night? I've watched the first four episodes and then I just okay. it, it was because it's just. For, I kept for, wondering Thurs, if Thurs, I didn't like it because I don't have kids, or if it was just not that funny. I, I love Will Arnett. I think we're gonna give him a free pass for anything. you know his prior <laughs> prior work on Arrested Development forever, but. I, I really wanted to like Up All Night. I tried so hard. And part of me wondered if it was just because I didn't have kids. I don't know. Honestly, yeah. I think there's something that just it doesn't quite click with me as much as I'd like it to because I want I so want to like it, but I just can't seem to love it. Otherwise, with new with new store with new shows, um, for me, uh, just quick hitters. Uh, I, I kind of gave Person of Interest, which is a the CBS show, a <laughs> try mainly because it's got you know Michael Emerson and his work in Lost was so good and and you know I don't mind Jesus, aka Jim Caviezel, uh, 
and, and and its premise essentially is that they have like a machine that tells them a a person of interest and and that person is going to be around you know death or crime or murder in some way and so they're going to stop it and Jim Caviezel is you know this you know secret agent dude who got messed up by being a secret agent dude and he's going to be redeemed through this program and it's like and it is like a CBS procedural that's in the end that's what it is and both guys are kind of interesting and it does it gives you like one second every week that makes it a serial but essentially you could jump into it whenever you wanted to um it, it's to me it's the epitome of a thumb sideways show so I, I gave it a good four episodes and didn't and didn't do much else with it. Um, Pan Am I gave three episodes to. Yeah, uh, I like those three episodes back. <laughs> <laughs> but other people seem to be willing. I don't know. It's it's another limbo show. Um, but they didn't really even use Christina Ricci that much. Uh, there was there's an actress that played uh, a French girl in it though that I thought was excellent. So I'm hoping people will notice her in that and, and bring her to a good show. <laughs> um, otherwise, uh, as far as brand new stuff, uh, I'm saving my other one for a different segment. So, All right. Well, since I think I know the one you're trying to – I think there might be two you're trying to save. Um, um, I have a couple more. Um, Hell on Wheels is a show that's currently on that I've been watching, and I don't love it, It's uh, but I still watch it. And I'm hoping it gets better. I guess it. Uh, it's the. It's, it's almost a testament to AMC. Like yeah. I was almost the exact same way. I was like, don't really have time for this. I even like DVR'd the first two episodes. And I was like, no, you just you had to say no at some point. Uh, I also enjoy referring to it as that Western show with Common the rapper. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's the show I watch last on my DVR, like after the weekend when there's like other shows that are on there. It's like we, Hell on Wheels is the one that I can like wait till Wednesday before I finally watch it. But um, it's basically the uh, yeah, it's the Western series that's centered that's centered around kind of the construction of the Transcontinental Railroad, and yeah, it does star Common as a ex slave who's working on it as well. But the lead character is played by Anson Mount, who he 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 seems like a a a Western character fitting of someone from Red Dead Redemption, for example. But he he, um, he he it starts out with him. He's kind of like trying to find um, a group of men who are all responsible for murdering his wife and child. And he now he's kind of worked his way into becoming one of the the bosses on the construction of the railroad as he kind of tries to figure out this mystery some more. And it's the the style of the show is trying to very much be like gritty and real. It's trying to be just just really dark and have a style that's not like spaghetti westerns or you know classic american westerns it's, it's just trying to be its own gritty real type thing something like i like a no country for old men immediately came to mind just because that's like a modern western of sorts but um it just kind of that kind of tone where it doesn't it it, it has like atmosphere it has the dirt you see and you know a cowboy's eyes as he's working on the railroad that kind of stuff and it's it's also quite graphic and whatnot because of you know native american violence and gunshot wounds and all kinds of stuff that's going on in the background but it's not a it's it, it seems like it's very much more style over substance a lot that's i guess what it is because it's the characters are like there's some that are kind of neat some kind of kind of interesting but many of them are just kind of single-minded kind of there's not much to them you have um kind of storylines that are going on and only like ones between like the 
maybe there's like three storylines a week between the three sets of characters and maybe only one's one's kind of entertaining every week and the other two are just kind of like eh, this is happening also it's just like i i, I want to keep watching it though just because i feel like there's potential like it has something it could get into deeper if the if it kind of expands on the characters yet there's been seven episodes so far and it's coming towards its end i would imagine of the season i guess i'm hoping that it gets i'm hoping that it ends strong enough where i'm like i can watch a second season of this since it just got renewed but i don't know so we'll see i guess i think amc's kind of built the brand to the point where this one people have watched and, and it will probably get another season if uh maybe it'll make the leap in season two or i hear enough you know about it that that i'll be forced to kind of to get into it but but uh, i just i wasn't quite ready to jump into one an, another kind of heady uh, show like that yeah and the last show for this segment before we move on is uh, happy endings yeah so this hilarious 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 sitcom that cut, that started in abc in the spring got can't or didn't get canceled but got like People, people kind of assumed that it was canceled. People assumed canceled. it was canceled to the point where the actors were trying out or getting on other shows. But thankfully, they, they kind of got everybody back. and and uh, It's been firing. I've, I've, I need to watch the first season just because I really love the show, the second season. Every week, I'm, it's one of the shows I look forward to most just because it's so it's just it's it it doesn't take a breath to just, you know stop. I was gonna it. say it's definitely it's definitely made for our, our low attention span generation. But even uh, that, it's very <laughs> I think it's very clever in that regard. It's it 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 isn't it isn't going for lowest common denominator humor. It's it's very it has a lot of wit to it while being very fast paced and very kind of screw. It's like a screwball comedy essentially. It's basically Friends. That's what the show's premise is. It's just Friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like. It really is almost a mishmash of like a lot of the best comedies prior. Like it's Friends. It's got the seeds of Arrested. As the show can go, like ludicrous stuff that you'd kind of see on FX shows, like a, a Sunny or something. Um, but it's also got kind of a little bit of a, uh, even like a Scrubs vibe to it sometimes. It's just, it's it's all over the place in a, in a very good way. And um, beyond any other comedy, I would say a lot of the its laurels rest on kind of uh, an amazing cast. You have uh, what's funny is you, you probably you just saw it, you'd be like, oh, it's the the new Alicia the uh, the Elisha Kutru, uh or Cooperd um, show, and 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 Zachary Knight, and you might recognize from like Flash Forward if if you actually watched or if anybody actually watched that, and he's probably been on other things and they're like this winning couple that i guess essentially the beginning of the show uh they were at their wedding and they broke up before they got married and um we were way 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 in season two past whether that ever actually affected the show at all but uh you've also then kind of it's essentially pairings and so uh damian waynes jr and and eliza coop play kind of this this awesome couple um and then, uh, and then Adam Pally and Casey Wilson kind of play the goofball, sing like straight up single friends. Uh, Adam Pally maybe has uh, he, he's he's uh, the the gay friend if you want to say that, but he's maybe the most interesting. Like we're not going to pull on any stereotypes uh, gay character I've ever seen on television, and and that's really refreshing because. Uh, not you know it doesn't always have to be you don't always have to play to archetypes and I think this show almost more than any show I've ever seen 
none of the characters are like the token character. Yeah, they're just sure, really yeah. well-rounded comedic characters, which I think is kind of a, a joy to watch. And and they're you can tell that the cast, you know, people say this, but you can tell the cast hangs out and really likes each other because they play off each other amazingly. Yeah, for sure. And this is a this is a show from the Russo brothers who were um, <clears throat> very much involved in Arrested Development and Community currently. So it it's it it very much has that kind of it has that same feel. It has a it has a rapid fire sense of humor that kind of pulls from a lot of references at times, but it's still, it does well with having these characters kind of establish as who they are. Like Casey Wilson, <laughs> Casey Wilson and Adam Pally week after week, maybe like crack up hysterically. And Alicia, Alicia Cuthbert, like she's clear. She and Zachary Knighton are clearly like not, they're not improvers. They're not improv artists like the others are, or at least mm-hmm. not as skilled, but they're kind of making it work. I suppose Cuthbert, She's like at her best when she's just being completely goofy, which is I think they're whatever is happening with the writing. It seems like that's where they seem to know where they need to go to make her character just goofier because that seems to like work for her, who she is. And then you have Eliza Coop and Damon Wayans Jr. who are like the best married couple, you know, like they're completely perfect from each other just be, from the way yep. that they're acting on the show and how they're presented as being a couple and what their interests are. Like it's just it's so it's such a fun cast to be around to just hang out with for half an hour. <laughs> I was gonna say, if people don't know, Eliza Coop was uh, was like the one intern that you cared about in the the late the last two seasons of Scrubs. Much dying, <laughs> uh, and she was the the blonde one who was the angry one. But she plays completely different character this time. Is much happier, so <laughs> uh, but still maintains kind of those those good positive vibes. I mean, uh, this is a show I, I kind of demand people should watch, and I would say. Uh, if I was going to pick an episode, even I would say, please watch the Halloween episode. <laughs> that would be a great way to introduce somebody to the show. Um, but but pretty much other than actually what I would say, pretty much other than the very first episode of season two, uh, you really can't go wrong as an entry point. Um, and, and it isn't quite as dependent on callbacks and like in jokes as as some comedies distents are. Uh, it really is kind of just uh, a joyous type of, of pacing and, and nobody's really that redeemable and that's what makes them even better. It's like it's it's like ripping the heart out of friends <laughs> and just instead enjoying all the craziness without having everybody like group hug and at the end. <laughs> so um, with that, let's move on to another. <laughs> that was probably the easiest topic just because it doesn't require much opinion in terms of us facing off against each other, but now we might get into harsher territories, but this one might not be so bad. Um, shows that are getting better, or have potential to get better. Well, I mean, the ultimate, and this is gonna come at the end too, but I just thought it was like such a leap to greatness, is is Louie. Um, it's obviously everybody's, one of everybody's year-end favorites, but there are few shows, I think, that really made the leap in a way Louie did. Louie was interesting in season one, and it, it was new. You like, I like the stand-up segments, but in season two, it was like, it hit Pantheon level, just TV for me. Um, and and I, what I think I love most is uh, Louie, which is uh, kind of based on a fake version, if you will, although it, it's hard to tell how fake. <laughs> of the the uh, famous comedian Louis C.K. Uh, and kind of 
what he does in New York and kind of his life. Uh, a lot of it's centered around taking care of his two daughters and uh, otherwise kind of centered around um, his, his misadventures, if you will. And it's set up kind of brilliantly in, in almost like five to eight minute vignettes. Like usually there's maybe, I don't know, uh, would you say four or five vignettes tops each episode? It's, yeah, there's very, there's very little continuity within the episode. It's rare that a whole storyline runs throughout the entire episode with one major exception where Louis goes to Afghanistan to perform for the troops, but um, which is my God, that's just a great episode of television. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's yeah, there's very there's generally yeah, there's like there's about like two stories going on, maybe a few things here or there. And he's also kind of the crusader of what I believe I'm hoping is kind of a a renaissance for create creative television movies, anything where his show is not really a comedy, it's not a drama, it's just life. life. <laughs> And it's like, uh, we'll talk about it later, too. I think community hits that in some ways, too, although it slants more comedy. But I like the idea of of TV that I can enjoy that's in the half-hour format that I maybe didn't even necessarily laugh that much at. There are times in Louis where it's just bizarre. And and it's like Louis just does what the ending would be. (laughs) You know, he professes his love to his, like, best friend. uh, And... And and then he he blows it and he doesn't get the girl or or like maybe one of the epitomes of like an, a crazy vignette in that show was he was out trick or treating with his kids. Oh my god! Yeah, two crazy guys come up to them and it was like one of the most tense. Like it didn't it wasn't funny at all. It was just like this really weird thing, this really weird tense moment where he has his two children and he's in like a dark area in New York on Halloween and and it's like they're dealing with these these you know weird situations and and I think that that's just Louis has kind of reinvented television at least as far as I'm concerned with with you don't have it's be it, the show's becoming more successful and you don't have to like you don't have to be Whitney. You could be Louie. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this great, this great, just like dark comedy with drama and mixed within. And it just, it's just Louie. Louie has like this amazing, it must have this amazing deal of FX where they just, they just give him a budget and he just does what he wants to and turns it in. And no one, he, he must have final say in it because he seems to be doing exactly what he wants to. And I completely support this because it's just so great to see just creative freedom at work with a person that knows how to just do do what he wants effectively and you know communicate that to an audience that's obviously accepting it since it's getting so much accolades so many so it's so popular it, you know it has a third season now and like yeah it's just it's just fantastic television regardless of being in you know put into a certain genre and that's just something i can really admire well, in this television, it's interesting with the backstory because we find out, <clears throat> or I found out on my own research too, but, I mean, he had an HBO show, which I did not like. Yeah. Um, and and then apparently he even had like a CBS pilot or something even further back that didn't even make it to the air. Um, and it's it just it makes you, as a person, if you enjoy this type of art form, uh, especially on the small screen, um, just bang your head against the wall and say, why won't more people leave creative people alone? Like, 
look at the crap that like Louis was doing before when he was forced to be a little, at least a little bit more in the box. He'll also admit that he, I mean, he kind of supported the HBO show, but um, he, you know, he's completely unrestrained. And this shows what could happen if maybe we let more of our creative people go completely off the grid and just do what they want to do. Um, I cannot, I would, Louis is probably uh, one of the few shows, especially that doesn't at all cater to families that I could recommend to anybody like over the age of like 17 or something like that. Like I would recommend this to my parents, my grandparents, like anybody, like it's just compelling stuff. Yeah. Louie. Fantastic. See, I'll bring up a show that I thought got better this season. Uh, Boardwalk Empire was one. I, uh, I liked Boardwalk Empire in its first season, but I really liked it in the second season. I thought it was the way things were set up at the end of the first season. And I know it was a very popular show, as far as especially as far as HBO is concerned. So like people that are people who watch it are familiar with kind of what I'm talking about. I guess the uh, the way it set itself up last season paid off very well for this season, where various plot threads all managed to evolve appropriately and effectively in an entertaining fashion without kind of some of the the muddiness that had the first season had me had me only liking it, where it was kind of I was still trying to get into like what style the show's going for because while it's set in the 1920s during Prohibition, it had a lot of little flourishes that kind of you could acknowledge that there's a lot of stylish direction going on. This season, it seemed much more. It knew what it wanted to do. It knew the story it was trying to tell, and it also knew how to present that story effectively. And it had a good handle on both on, as I've said, the style and the characters enough so where I was compelled by how the plots were going to play out. I never knew where the show was going to go, which was something that kept me excited about watching it every week, especially as it got towards the latter half where there's a lot of fallout happening based on how it was set up to begin with. And the season finale, among other great episodes of this season, was fantastic in how it played out. Like, again, I had no idea where it was going to go, and it leaves me very excited where the third season's going to go based on things that happened at the very last episode. So... Kudos to Boardwalk Empire, and I'd also love to see Martin Scorsese come back and direct another few episodes of that show, just like he did for the pilot. And you com- you completely buy into uh, Steve Buscemi as the main character and everything like that. I, I do, yeah. It's how, how that worked. It's it's really cool to see Steve Bu- besides besides having love for Steve Buscemi in general. It's cool to see that he's like got to a point where he can be the lead star of a TV series. That's that's very entertaining to watch. And I like yes, I like his character quite a bit, and especially kind of the how he's thrown through a loop this season in terms of what he has to deal with based on loyalties and shifting alliances can i mean can you improve once you you're past like season five or sure. more yeah, I, I have an example of this like that enthusiasm to. just took it up another level again this year i thought this year's curb was, was probably better than the last two seasons at least and um just some of the some of the payoffs in these episodes were just they're just too much like i just it was just, it was comedy. I mean, Larry David's been doing it forever. Uh, shaking it up a little bit, moving to New York for quite a few of the episodes. And I just, uh, I I thought it was Pantheon level comedy for almost every episode. <laughs> I would say the, uh, I certainly really loved Curb. This, I, I generally love Curb every episode, just because it always has something that makes me cracking up. But I, I generally liked every episode of Curb. I liked every episode of Curb. There was some that were like much better than others to me. The... And I do think it was a really strong season overall, very strong. The only thing that kind of got me was that there wasn't much of a 
kind of a season thread this time around. It didn't have like, you know, there wasn't a Seinfeld reunion plot line that went all the way through or a, the, the Larry going to the beyond the producers. It didn't have like a season long thread, which kind of uh, not annoyed me. It kind of threw me off just because it wasn't, you know, the same as how previous you there, there wasn't like a, a an ongoing plot line. That, that kind yeah, of... yeah. I guess this year I would say really the groaners were the groaniest of groaning. Yeah. There's that, <laughs> especially <laughs> even like, especially with the end with the Michael J. Fox episode. <laughs> right. I was going to say you bring in in Michael J. Fox. Who's playing Larry, like playing Larry off himself. David. Yeah. Oh my God. Into a Larry David environment. And it's like, God, I mean, the viewers can imagine if you haven't seen it, uh, uh, Michael J. Fox playing himself in in a world of Larry David that's gonna get uncomfortable really <laughs> quickly. Um, just uh, excellent, excellent uh, season of writing in that style, which I, I will talk about later. Kind of people who graduated from the Larry David school are, are doing quite well in another one of my favorite shows. Um, and I would just say briefly, South Park wise, I think is the epitome of a wasn't a better season wasn't a worse season it's just another great season of south park and 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 kudos to uh matt parker and trey stone for branching out and then somehow coming back and, and knocking a bunch more episodes out in between you know being the the darlings of the musical world <laughs> well uh, we'll get more to south park later i think but um let's see one another example of getting better uh walking dead actually um and by the way this podcast is a part of the hhw lod network which has the walking dead tv podcast as one of our sister shows and we i certainly enjoy being a part of them with that said the walking dead i really like the first season i like the second season more i think it's done exactly what i expected it to where it basically found its footing and regardless of the fact that it's not a perfect show i'm still really enjoying watching it every week i especially i mean i am a comic reader and i don't know if that makes me more or less biased towards liking the show although i could be could be biased against liking it or against disliking it just because it has so many changes but those don't bother me i like i like how it's different from the comic series and the ways that it is and i like where it's going currently and i and i again i think it's an improvement over the first season in terms of its writing the character's aren't the best on TV. It's not one of my very favorite shows that's currently on TV, but it is one of the shows that I really enjoy watching every week. Aside from various character issues I may have, it's still, it's a zombie survival show, and you don't have one of those on TV, and when it does handle zombie stuff, when it gets down to zombie action sequences, it does a really good job. I'm really happy with ABC's work in that regard. And here is where we finally, the love fest ends, because I would (laughs) gone and i think this we'll just kind of split this segment but i was gonna say walking dead for me uh did not build on the momentum of its first season i i will admit unlike you unlike you i haven't i haven't read walking dead and i kind of reluctantly uh watched it i actually thought they did a smart thing for passive people like me and and the first season was just six episodes and that was kind of just right where i was kind of like i'll give it a shot and then by the time I gave it a shot, I'd already actually watched the whole thing. This season, the problem is, is that I don't know. I don't know the 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 path on the books that which they might have to at least somewhat follow, and so it just seemed like we sat around and waited a long time. I thought you you said it best, and the show's weakness is that it's best when we're killing zombies and everybody's doomed instead of 
what the show became this season, which is existentially doomed. <laughs> and so I'm not as down on the actors as some people are. I think they're effective enough. I, I yeah, just, I don't think it's an actor. I don't thing. think they're really... And I will admit that this is one show where I, the negativity surrounding it now might have infected me a little bit. Then again, uh, negativity, people have been negative about other shows I like, and I haven't let it affect me that much. But this one, I kind of laugh and make fun of kind of during it uh, as the season has progressed. Uh, it had a half season in season two, so it's going to be picking back up here again in January. This season's first episode is the best one because it had the most zombies in it. Yes, I think it could have benefited from more momentum plot-wise. With that said, the zombie thing, that's not bothering me that much just because... As much as it is a zombie comic and it is a zombie TV show, it's very much about characters. And so I can appreciate that they're, you know, they, they don't, not that they keep zombies to a minimum, but that they, they try to do a tolerable level of zombie action mixed with character drama. And I guess the main issue is that the character dramas, it's not well crafted enough for me to really appreciate it as much as I could. It's it, almost, it, it's got such a big cast that I would almost, I'm, I keep rooting for cast members to die. And that's another thing that would be much... That's that's something that's in the comics very much. Characters yeah, die I will, often. I will say, uh, shout out, I don't know if many people are into this, but I thought I think John Bernthal as uh, Shane Walsh mm -hmm. uh, is a very compelling character so it, far. Yeah, he's my favorite character say, on the show. And what's interesting about his character is that he is... He, he had an expiration date in the comic. He doesn't exist in this territory that we're in in tv world so he's essentially like he's like when biff took back the almanac in back to the future and made an alternate timeline that's his role in walking dead right now he's upsetting things and that makes him very interesting to watch because you don't know where he's gonna go I, I really think uh you know it's gonna hit the fan i'm really rooting for it to hit the fan and just have a crazy second half of this second season i have a very strong feeling it will as well and i think it's because this has all been a lot of setup and i think that's it's it kind of, it kind of follows suit in the same way like breaking bad season four well, I was gonna, that like, was a great segue i was gonna say well is it gonna do what breaking bad is which is horribly boring for a very long time and then boom i think that that almost segs perfectly into breaking bad this season better i think breaking bad uh, has gotten better each season. For me, I, I watch Breaking Bad to see what's going to happen. I do like the, I think the acting performances are great. I think Gus Fring is one of the greatest probably characters ever in television. Um, uh, and I thought this season, but I wanted to, I, I really needed to know what was going to happen this season. Season one through, two, through like half of two were exposition that I really kind of struggled my way through to really lay out how this show is going to be. And it's still much of the episodes in Breaking Bad are, are paced in a way that I kind of fidget my chair a little bit. But the, the, there has there ever been a show that has the payoffs that Breaking Bad has? I do not know. Yeah, we disagree a little bit just because I love Breaking Bad, all of it. And I don't, I don't get fidgety. I just, I'm just constantly involved in that show. I can say that the season four... Because I think season three was absolutely fantastic, and I say I say season four, it started out slower, but then as we've kind of the way we segued into this, the second half, oh my god, there were crazy things happening, and there's an image that I won't soon. There's a, a a sequence slice image that I won't soon get out of my head based on the finale of season four, which is just oh my god, it's crazy. 
this season has definitely set set the tone. Um, in case people uh, listening don't know, uh, they've they've been kind of uh, much like Lost. They've been given an end date. And so we know there's going to be one more season or like 16-ish Yeah, an, ex- an extended season, yeah, but, the last, but the last season. So With that knowledge, too, this year, we kind of felt like more was at stake because we knew it wasn't just we have to think of, you know, new ways for the show to go on. No, we're, we're working toward uh, Mr. Walter White, Breaking Bad. <laughs> one more show that I'm going to bring up for getting better which is one that you're going to disagree with me, but Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I literally think it's been their best season in the past two years. I I was Always Sunny was getting to the point where it was like I was just watching it just because I felt I just needed to because I've been watching it so far. But this season, every week, I was looking forward to every episode. That's where I stand on Sunny. I think it was absolutely hilarious this season. I mean, I liked the season. I think what, what we thought was the season opener where – where Charlie's got the taxi with Frank and Charlie becomes a, a Texas mogul. And, um, I mean, it's use of puke is beyond funny. Um, it was the funniest thing on the planet. And, and Mac initially, uh, going fat this season, uh, worked kind of well, especially when he and Dennis are competing about who's more in shape. There were some episodes this season and I feel like it was really, it started a little bit last season, but this season had them, this season had the worst, Sunny episode of all time, which was the flashback to Frank's past. That's episode. that's the one. That's the one I can give. I don't know about worst ever, ever, but that's the one I can give you as the one that doesn't meet the quality as the rest of the season does. Just because mm-hmm. I there is I can't I can't quite I can't recall episodes from season what five and six as well as I yeah. can for the. I mean, obviously it's more fresh in my mind, but there are memorable ones here that I do. Like, there's the one where they play the game, the game of games, chart, charty, okay. I'll give you that one. That one. There's the Frank, there's the Frank Reynolds, little beauties where they have the beauty pageant. There's the, there's sequences of the Jersey shore episode that may be crack up hilariously. There's, I guess I'm probably, I harsh on, on Sonny because Sonny was such pantheon level. I can, yeah, I can agree with that. It's certainly not as good as it was like one season, like two and three when it like just got like, when it was right. just I think, I think reunion, reunion still kind of fresh in my mind. I thought reunion was a little weaker. I, th- uh, I think the second part of reunion was actually weaker than that. I, Cause I really, I liked how it set itself up, but I wasn't quite happy with the payoff in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but no, I mean, uh, I mean, they're another example of of no budget, do whatever you want. Though you you can tell they do whatever they want. Would a show ever let one of their main characters get fat? <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that fact that that the that the the creator of the show, uh, Rob McElhenney, he decided that you know people usually t- people tend to get like more good looking as their shows go on so he's like you know what i'm just gonna put on a lot of weight and look realistically bad after the show's gone on and so yeah he just plays a fat per- version of himself this season which i don't think it got like the the most mileage of <laughs> but it did mm-hmm. it was just it was just a funny thing to see it was just an interesting way to take it where like you just literally have a character who's just fat now like that's how it was <laughs> One of the other real quickly shows that I think just improves each time around. Uh, I think Parks is still kind of moving upward. Parks and Recreation. I think we've kind of stabilized, but but there were I don't I think there are still my favorite moments in the show ever happened this season. Still. I think on an emotional level, I'd agree with you. On a kind of a general level, I'd say it's pretty stabilized, which is a great. Has thing. there ever been an episode better than Entertainment Seven Twenty though? <laughs> 
when Ben when Ben hits the button to stop like them <laughs> them doing what they're doing at Entertainment Seven Twenty, it was the it is my probably my biggest laugh this season, other than and one other I'll talk about later. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean uh, there is there's fear that eventually it will kind of not fear, but I mean it's just inevitable that eventually it'll kind of settle into what the office is, which is just kind of fun, but. To me, at least, uh, I think we still made a, a few strides comedically, and like you said, obviously much heavier on the on the heartstrings this year when it comes to parks and recreation as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me backtrack just a bit because I just forgot about one that we could have talked about: uh, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I guess it's true. We have to compare it because it maybe has been a few years, but. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much you've actually given credence to Beavis and Butthead. But... I'll, uh, I'll set this up. I never watched Beavis and Butthead when it was a TV series. I, okay. I watched the movie, and I thought the movie was hilarious, but I was never a big fan of the, or not a big fan, I just never had an exposure to the TV series. But I'm aware that you watched the show, so you can go from there. Uh, I didn't really have cable as a kid, so like I mean, MTV, you've watched it. You've MTV watched was it so much fun when MTV was so much fun when I got it at like the hotels and stuff, and and Beavis and the Butthead was always just a hilarious introduction to all sorts of things. And actually, the modern times, kind of, uh, this season of Beavis and Butthead introduced me to some music videos that I somehow didn't know about, despite, you know, loving music uh, and, and having a wide breadth of knowledge. But but obviously, uh, MTV has become rife with things to make fun of. And it's nice that, that Beavis and Butthead gets to mercilessly destroy the abomination that we call Teen Mom or... 16 and pregnant or that you know the series that essentially broke the the moral uh the the straw and the moral camel's back <laughs> for for tv as a whole but it's definitely uh, i understand why people shouldn't like it <laughs> it's really dumb but it's it's just kind of fun to chuckle immaturely with beavis and butthead for what is generally if you dvr it the quickest like 20 minutes on the planet and i think uh they hit just as hard as they ever did maybe a little better because they're they're making fun of things that are even so much worse than than what they could have imagined wearing the exact same clothes they did in the 90s that they do now <laughs> all right yeah let's go to the uh the uh r.i.p for canceled canceled and unrenewed shows so I did, I had to get this out of the way because it's a shameful rest in peace. But <laughs> I, part of me, I mean, I gave a lot of shows a chance that I really shouldn't have this year, and somehow one of those shows was Playboy Club, and I'm kind of sad that Playboy Club's gone. It was really, it was, there was nothing bad or good about it except on the good side. Uh, Amber Heard is is just really really beautiful and that's probably the only reason i watched it and the thing is is it's not even a show that was like overtly sexy despite what you know uh parental groups in the world might try to tell you uh it was really like a a mediocrely done dick tracy in some ways (laughs) (laughs) but um but i i i liked the the male don draper wannabe in it and uh, I obviously fell in love with Miss um, Heard uh, and and her charms or or just good looks. I could be that shallow. I'm not sure. Um, but anyhow, rest in peace, Playboy Club. I'll drink a martini for your like five episodes that I somehow watched for some reason that I don't understand. 
<laughs> I'll, uh, let's see, I'll, I'll go into one show that I was really sad that got canceled. Uh, the Chicago Code. This is a mid-season show for Fox last, well, I guess the beginning of 2011 that kind of went to uh, like April or something like that. And I really dug that show. I really liked the, it was it was a cop show set in Chicago and it, it made great use of actually being set in Chicago. And I, I really liked the kind of the Fox handling on having a, a big budget cop drama show where it used its location practically and had a lot of fun kind of working in that world. And it had characters that were well-developed and the plot lines kind of, it was a really, it was a really solid show that I was sad that got canceled. It was from the creator of the, uh, the shield, um, which is one of my favorite shows ever. And seeing him work in, you know, a network television format, but still managed to make it quite good. I was very happy, surprised and saddened when it, turned out that it wasn't going to come back the the comedy side uh, hbo put the scythe down on a lot Any shows, of shows yeah um and none so uh more adored to me uh than bored to death i completely understand why it got canceled i'm kind of astonished it got three seasons i mean i'm kind of that, astonished that, it got... that was made for like new york city hipsters with every i mean zach galifianakis and and uh jason schwartz and i mean these are people that like if you you know this is a show essentially designed for people like me who love wes anderson movies <laughs> only it was a tv show and uh, I must say, also kind of revived in uh, Ted Danson's career. Ted Danson, amazing in this show uh, and, and hilarious. And I just thought, uh, you know, very sad to see such a unique type of comedy uh, get get the boot. It was neat to see Ted Danson have a range on this show because, uh, you know, you see him in, I mean, Cheers and Becker, but then you see him on, like Curb Your Enthusiasm where he just plays a <laughs> He just plays like a weird version of himself always fighting with Larry David. And then apparently he's on CSI now. But like seeing him actually play like a character, like a an aloof head rich businessman character who's friends with with, John, with Jason Schwartzman and like almost paternal to to Zach Galifianakis's character, like that was cool to see. And I really dug seeing Ted Dance, and I really enjoyed the kind of the vibe of the show. I'm going to miss the the crime solving and sleuthing of the bored to death crew. Uh, quite a bit, just because a, a fun change of pace comedy in my lineup. Yeah, it, it's a show that's going to be missed. I uh, I liked its kind of quirky atmosphere. Speaking of other HBO shows that got the chop this this year, uh, How to Make It in America, which uh, you brought to my attention. Actually, I have yet to see the first season, but I'm excited to just because I have no more new How to Make It in America to look forward to. So I might as well go backwards and watch the first season. How to Make It America is another one of those shows where you're not really sure why you're watching it or why you like it. Um, I guess for me, it's just, you know, we'll be honest, it's pretty much Entourage for New York. But it, but, only, but, but, only but it shows the struggle while Entourage never showed the struggle. Yeah, it's decidedly less smug than Entourage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but anyhow, I would recommend anybody who likes, I mean, if you like the Entourage, watch how to make if you like the first few seasons of entourage you might as well watch the first i think what there's probably like only like less than 20 episodes of, yeah. of how to make in america and goes by fast and yeah it's disappointing that we had some plot points that we're never going to resolve but it's new york chic and uh i had a lot of fun um and 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 of course speaking of way while that one i would have liked to see another season of speaking of Rest in peace. Thank you that you're in the grave finally. 
Um, Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> Entourage, you, you dragged us through so many extra seasons. And why? <laughs> it's I'm just fascinated. I, I would like to know kind of if the writing team changed for them or if they just got bored. Or I don't understand because... Uh, every once in a while, I'll run into a season one, season two episode, and it cracks me up a ton still. Um, and I don't know why Entourage decided not to be a comedy. It, se- it seemed like the writing staff like got into this weird mantra of Vince and the gang are going to be all right. And that just like never kind of left their left their eyes as they every episode involved Vince and the gang somehow gonna be all right that's there was just nothing fresh about it any there's there's nothing I love more than the first season of Entourage there are very few it's like one of my favorite I'd say the second season ever um what I'd say the second season for me I I don't know I I mean season one's got Johnny Drama dating the buff girl which is probably my favorite episode ever I will, but even some later seasons are great. Like, I mean, who will ever forget drama punching out Seth Green? I mean, that's <laughs> the best episodes ever. Uh, I mean, the show's given so much, and last season kind of gave us a little hope. It seemed to be doing a little bit more, and then this season is just bizarre. You want to talk about pacing? Where was it? <laughs> I. I don't even understand how we got to the season, the series finale. Um, in terms of memorial shows, uh, just really went one quickly on FX. There was a show called Lights Out that came on. Uh, it was a boxing series, and I really liked it. And heard excellent things. It got, it had one season, and it really found itself kind of in the second half of its first season, and I really enjoyed it. The solid boxing show. And Buhabe, I guess, will be on Netflix Watch Instant at some point. I, I hope just because I really like people to check it out, just because it was a cool little series that had, you know, only 13 episodes. Same goes for a show like Terriers from last year, which was also really good, but Terriers was kind of amazing also, and it was also from the creator of The Shield. But that's a different story. Uh, that would have worked last year for this kind of thing. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, I guess the other the other segment I thought would be kind of nice is is shows that that aren't getting watched as much or or at least shows that i kind of want to get up on the soapbox and say watch these shows or or these are are underrated things and and um what i might start off with there is something that you constantly told me was great and i didn't buy it and took me forever to get into it and then uh literally last weekend uh i got so into it that i knocked its three seasons out in one weekend the league the league has become one of my favorite comedies it's just so funny um i liken it to a cross between uh seinfeld and it's always sunny in philadelphia (laughs) because it it definitely it actually shares writers uh from seinfeld and curb um or that they they kind of came from that school and you can tell that especially by season three um, because it just it's just ridiculous in season three. But the people are so bad um, that it gives it a little sunny feel, too, to it. <laughs> yeah, the league, which basically revolves around a set of friends in Chicago. There's a lot of Chicago shows, actually. I think New Girls in Chicago, too. Um, but uh, there's a lot of Chicago shows. Jeez. 
must be the place mm-hmm. to film these days. But yeah, Rawls are group of friends in Chicago. They all have a fantasy football league. And now I didn't watch the first season, but I watched the second season when I first started watching it. I've since watched all the seasons. But it was, I think it had to do with the fact that I thought it, you know, have to do more with kind of, you know, fantasy football humor. And, you know, I don't watch football on a regular basis. So I just, you know, it didn't seem like it'd be something that interests me. But that's not really the case. It's very much a comedy show. There's just a comedy show that happens to have football sometimes incorporated in it but that really doesn't matter you don't have to have any kind of knowledge of football to really appreciate how hilarious this show is so with that said yeah it's a show about a group of friends um dealing with the 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 through line for each season involves the fantasy football league and who's winning and who's losing and whatnot but it's just otherwise it's kind of the a step above like your 25 year olds somewhere of like probably i would place them on the 30 to 40 plane where a few are like married or one's divorced um, yeah yeah and they have like a kid or two uh around but they just i mean the talent was too great and nick kroll is one of my favorite comics um and he plays a character ruxin who by mid-season two is is one of my favorite comedy characters around. And mid-season three, you get to meet Ruxin's father, and that episode is kind of amazing. That's <laughs> <laughs> and this show is definitely known for its guest spots. It's had Seth Rogen, Sarah Silverman. A, Jeff- a, a number of NFL players. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's the thing is I love football, and so even a lot of those wrecks, I mean, there's a whole episode uh, about relationship vulturing and fantasy touchdown vulturing that that is a great homage to that but this is a show that literally uh i've heard people knock because its characters are not redeemable in any way and i think that's why it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> these are horrible people doing horrible things that are hilarious kind of on the other end for me uh is a show that literally i don't think anybody's watching um and I don't even know how good it really is, but I loved Boss this year. Boss is a new show uh, that you may have heard of. Um, Chicago comes up again here because Kelsey Grammer <laughs> is playing uh, kind of a career of a lifetime, or a role of a lifetime, I should say, as a, as a corrupt Chicago machine mayor um, who finds out that he's got a degenerative type disease that's pretty much going to wipe him out You know, anywhere from one year to 10 years, who knows? And it's kind of about how he's going to stay in power. Um, he's, I mean, he's one of those politicians who he has a daughter that he essentially doesn't even talk to because she was a political liability. Uh, he has two advisors and he, he follows how they're dealing with, with kind of the political landscape. And then uh, for me, who I write for a newspaper, they have a, a journalist character who's kind of uh, going hard after the administration. And so, uh, it, it definitely is a show where it kind of starts off realistically at the beginning and then it does, it really, by its final episode, it's a, it's a short season, I think it was like 10 episodes tops. It really does go dramatic, melodramatic. <laughs> give it, give boss a try. I got a couple shows that I could kind of promote as hidden gems. Um, one is enlightened. It's the HBO series starring Laura Dern and completely written by Mike White. Um, who's previously written, well, he wrote School of Rock, but he's also written a lot of uh, smaller uh, com- comedy dramas like uh, The Good Girl and uh, Chuck and Buck, movies like that. And uh, it's hard it's hard to just, it, Enlightened, I'm not going to say it's like Louis, but it has that kind of, it got, kind of goes in between being a comedy and a drama, and it just kind of exists as this weird kind of show that for some reason every week I was kind of transfixed by. I really enjoyed watching 
the show Enlightened, which kind of follows Laura Dern's character, has kind of a meltdown at work, and then she goes away to like a rehabilitation center for like a year and comes back and tries to work for the same company again. And so it's kind of like a mix of kind of office satire type humor mixed with um, kind of a Laura Dern's character rehabilitating herself to her past kind of friends and family. And it's, it's a show that it doesn't, it doesn't bank on like being hysterical and it has a lot of dramatic moments, but it's kind of, kind of bounces in between. And I was going to say, I'll admit that uh, I, I bailed after a few episodes, but I think, uh, this is an example of one of those shows that built real characters. Yes. Okay. I would say the Laura Dern character is the best example of, of like taking on, you know, like a born again type of ideology where she has a mental breakdown and she comes back and tries to be a better verse and actually doesn't. Ex- and then I would say Luke Wilson's character is excellent. Like, uh, at, at like tackling a drug addict, if you will, in a realistic way. Yeah, there's real pathos in all of these characters that I was. It it really it got me to the point where I'm like, this is like the most interesting show I'm watching on TV right currently. That like it just has no love, it, or at least it, I guess it seemed to have no love. Now it's probably going to find more, which I'm kind of happy about, just because I'm excited to see where it goes. And it's in its second season since it did get renewed. So the other show that I want to talk about, which is kind of. I guess it's popular, but I just never hear anyone talking about it. It's called Raising Hope. It's the the, the the sitcom show that follows New Girl on Fox. And it's like from the creator of My Name is Earl. And it just features a – it features kind of a – I would say a white trash family because My Name is Earl. That was white trash. But it features kind of a, a lower middle class family, I guess. And like the son is like raising a – raising a, a, a his daughter. And he lives with his parents because he's young. And it kind of has a – it's almost like if Raising Arizona was a TV show. That's kind of like the type of humor, but not quite as clever as a Coen Brothers comedy. But it's it's very well-meaning, and the characters are never like – they never make fun of the characters, which is something I kind of admire. There's all, there's an inherent amount of sweetness in it, which I continue to admire. I think that's what brings me back to watching it because it's very – it's not an amazing show, and the humor is not – it's not like super clever, but it's very watchable. It's very entertaining and kind of endearing. And so I feel like I just wanted to shout it out just because I enjoy watching it week after week. Um, the only other thing I would say real quickly is just uh, something easy to check out because it's coming back in like a week. Uh, Portlandia, really quick you, to get into. I think it had six episodes last year. And if, uh, uh, if you want to believe in sketch comedy... Yeah, I, I really point you toward Portlandia as being really funny and kind of, uh, if you think SNL has lost its way or something, uh, Portlandia might be a good place to kind of uh, get acquainted with fun little little vignettes of, of comedy. And it, it just has a great heart and a, a great love for its city of Portland. But man, is it! I, I thought it was great with Fred Armisen. And, uh, the time has kind of come for us to uh, bring up final thoughts and and what you thought uh maybe one or two shows that you just thought this season of television was uh what i'll remember about 2011 this is what i thought was best oh my god uh these are the shows that i watch on the day that i just can't like wait to see when they like when it's their day it's like i need to get home and do what get rid of whatever i'm doing so i can watch these shows and those shows include louis breaking bad justified community parks and rec archer and um, and Spartacus actually, even though it's like it was only like six episodes this year, it was a really it's 
that, that those are shows that I just I need to watch. They're absolutely fantastic to me. Um, Breaking Bad, which we already kind of talked about, that's a show that I absolutely love. I love Breaking Bad so much. I love how it develops. I love the way I love the style of the show. The actors are all fantastic, and it consistently delivers for me some of some just some of the most memorable like sequences, lines, shots, images, all these things like it comes throughout Breaking Bad. Um, Community. That's a, that's like in that Louis level of like it's so like even though it's it is a comedy it's very obviously a comedy it kind of rises above being a genre and just kind of exists as this like what can these writers do like <laughs> they have so many ways to reference things and make like episodes based around a, a zombie invasion or like the paintball episodes like you have like one that's like a riff on spaghetti westerns and the other is like a riff on Star Wars like the um, even the one of the more recent episodes, which many would say is one of the best episodes ever, Remedial Chaos Theory, which is an episode that revolves around alternate timelines. It's just, it's absolutely amazing that the show exists, and I really hope that its hiatus doesn't mean canceled. I really want Community to come back. I know many others, well, at least the many others that watch the show, are all in agreement on this, because Community is absolutely fantastic. So those are, yeah, I, I've listed the other ones. Justified, I can't wait for that to come back. That's a show that I just really, really love for all the, the, the writing. <laughs> I've heard that one's taking the leap. That one is for sure I'm going to watch it someday. Okay. But, uh, it just it has to be in the format where I could probably knock it out really quickly if I get into it. I would say for me, um, just leaping off, I, I did save Community. I would say that Community is one of those shows where uh, it does strike out occasionally, but but it's 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 hits are just like 600 feet home runs. Um, <laughs> I mean, the episode, obviously, what you mentioned. I mean, the episode where they have nine different timelines, and the Troy timeline is maybe the hardest I've laughed that I can remember. <laughs> um, and then uh, I also liked they did like a, a model UN type thing that got completely out of control. I'm in love with Alison Brie and would watch her do anything. Uh, and, and her Annie character is great, but every character is great um, on that show. And uh, I thought uh, the Christmas episode was excellent this season. Yes. Uh, riffs on Glee and all the songs are amazing in it. While also uh, being a riff on the invasion of the body snatchers of all things. Somehow <laughs> it's done all of this. It's exactly. Um, and obviously we talked about Louie. I think that's, pretty much one of the best shows on television happy endings is like required i i couple it to modern family which we didn't talk about uh modern family might have taken a, a mild step back this year still think it's good very funny um and then something that we both watched uh that i saved for the ending segment here too is homeland please everyone go watch homeland on showtime you will not see two better opposing acting jobs than, than the two main characters in Homeland. Claire Danes um, is the main protagonist here. Uh, and Damian Lewis. Is, and, and Damian Lewis is kind of her, uh, her counter, if you will. Um, and she is a CIA agent. Um, uh, she is working on counterterrorism type stuff. And Damian is a, uh, is a, a soldier who gets found after more than five years uh in in afghanistan he gets found and the whole show revolves around uh whether he's part of a, a larger terrorist threat to the nation 
Um, but the kicker is uh, we're never sure what he's really thinking or what he really wants to do. Um, so and then and we're also not sure how much we can trust Claire Dane's character because she actually is a manic depressant. <laughs> um, and so uh, it's just gripping every episode. You're wondering who to trust because your two main characters are your two most unstable people. Uh, and uh, he, talk about payoffs at the end of the season. I, I was just blown away by the finale. I have no idea where this ser- series is going to go. And I would say objectively, uh, it may not have been my favorite show of the year, but I think objectively it was probably the best show of the year because it was the best plot versus acting of any show I think I saw this year. And I, I would highly recommend people to check that out. We already talked about Games of Thrones, which I believe was probably the most compelling. I must watch this as soon as possible. And so should everybody else with me. Um, and then I became obsessed with the league at the end of the season. Um, and just think that's the funniest thing around. So for me, I would say if I implore you to watch anything this year, I'd rank. Uh, I would ask you to watch Homeland. I would ask you to watch Game of Thrones, Louie, Happy Endings, um, and a lot of other things that are returning you should already be watching. But obviously you have to watch Community and you have to go hashtag save Community (laughs) and six seasons in a movie when you're watching it so that all the execs know that even though there's supposedly only like three million of us watching it, that we care a lot and we'll like buy DVDs or something so that, you know, it should get to syndication. Oh, yeah, uh, real quickly. Friday Night Lights um, had its swan song this year, too. I would recommend, rather than watching this season, uh, go back to the beginning and especially pay note to seasons one, three, and then season four of that show is some of the best television you'll ever see. Uh, If I was to be objective, uh, I would say Homeland was the drama of the year. Um, And and then otherwise, I would say it was... a. Louis was the the thirty minute show of the year, <laughs> and and then the League or Happy Endings uh, and Community. Those were like the four good half hour shows that that I think you'd be uh, kicking yourself if you didn't watch. Um, there's a lot of shows we didn't even mention, like Modern Family. We didn't come go to uh, Thirty Rocks coming back. Um, the Office. I know you like The Office more than I do, even though I still enjoy watching it. I just wish it would be better or be over. And with that said, I'm also really looking forward to Mad Men returning. Um, Eastbound and Down is a show that I absolutely love and I'm looking forward to returning. And Ricky Gervais' show, Life Too Short, is uh, starting up and as well at the same time as Eastbound and Down. So that's a, those are three shows that I'm like really looking forward to seeing next year as well in 2012. So. Yeah, luck. I mean, luck, HBO yeah. will bang that one home. And I, I've heard good things. It. I always like the idea of big screen people like Dustin Hoffman coming down and, and really sinking their teeth into a good TV role. So for sure. Yeah. I'm going to do one thing just because I wanted to, I want to ask you one question because we tend we like doing quite, we like having fun question games and here it is. Completely okay. clear. Which TV character would you want to hang out with of this, Wait, of this crop of character of TV shows that we've talked about, which TV character would you just want to be like pals with? Man, that is a tough choice. <laughs> To just get hit on the spot, too. Um, golly, I, it really might be Ted Danson's character. <laughs> I mean, he's rich. We can go. He wants to go get cocktails and, and talk to women. <laughs> but he's also uh, a literary giant. So um, off the top of my head, I would say he or uh, 
I would love to be a part of the league <laughs> or, or, uh, or a part of the happy endings bunch. I think that those are, are my kind of favorite folks, uh, that I could tolerate the most if they were real. <laughs> now here's here's an even more fun question. Take two of these shows, their premises, and switch the casts around. Happy endings in the league might be the perfect example, other than the fact that you'd have uh, a lot of women in a fantasy a fantasy league. But uh, I'd hate to just go comedy on that though. So I would love to see. Uh, here's a here's an interesting one. I'd love to see Game of Thrones and Friday Night Lights switch their casts. Uh, I got one right now. Breaking Bad and Happy Endings. I'd watch that show. I'd, I'd, I'd watch the gang from Happy Endings become... Well, fine. Meth- I guess if you're going to do it in a be- silly way. Become meth de- <laughs> I wasn't being serious. Yeah. Be- have- then become meth dealers, and then the cast of Breaking Bad are all like good friends, and they're hanging out in Chicago, <laughs> having a good time with each other. Okay, so now that is going to bring us to the end of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, sans Abe this week. But you can find more of my work on my personal blog site, thecodeazeek.com, where you can find all my written reviews, and also at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. John? Uh, I mean, if you want to see some of my writing, uh, it's gazettes, G-A-Z-E-T-T-E-S dot com. I do have a, a weekly column where I try to talk, uh, uh, I don't know, about random things, but tie them to Long Beach locations. So if you're a Long Beach listener, that might interest you. That comes out on Saturday in the written word. But otherwise, uh, this is kind of my big debut into that crazy world we call media. <laughs> well, yeah, it was... a. Uh... Certainly good having you. It, it, it was fun discussion, fun lengthy discussion about TV. I was gonna say thank you for having me, and hopefully to the to the two people that could still stick it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, you can uh, find all the episodes about now, Aaron and Abe on iTunes. You can also find us at hhwlod.com, where you can find all our episodes there, which are all mainly movie focused. Well, pretty much all movie focused. This is the first time we're not doing anything movie related, but you can also find the other shows. At outnow.podomatic.com, where you can find a few exclusive ones. You can also email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com with uh, subject lines that read something like, Hey, where's Abe? And also, Hey, John was pretty good. He should come back on sometime. And you could also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where you can you know find all the updates for our latest episodes and whatnot. And I tend to update that page quite frequently. So enjoy. And uh, yeah, once again, John, thanks for coming on. Good times. Aaron, thank you very much. No problem. And until next time, I, the next week, because I, I don't know when this show is going to be released compared to the others, but I do know there's an end of the year show coming up, a War Horse episode coming up, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Mark Wahlberg's contraband at some point as well. So much to look forward to in the coming weeks. But uh, until then, bye, 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 bye.